Welcome to Movie Oubliette, the film review podcast for movies that most people have mercifully forgotten. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And in each episode, we drag a forsaken film out of the Oubliette, discuss it and judge it to decide whether it should be set free, <laughs> or whether it should be thrown back and consigned to oblivion forever. <laughs> Howdy do, listeners, and welcome to Movie Oubliette, the time zone traversing podcast for forsaken fantastical films with me, Conrad, starting too many new projects at the same time in Cambridge, UK. Ah, it's always the way. Uh, and me, Dan, <laughs> trying to perfect homemade noodles down here in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> We focus on forgotten fantasy, sci-fi and horror films because nothing reawakens our boyish sense of wonder like frosted sisters, flying psycho robots and flaming sofas in space. Hello, Dan. Hello, Conrad. (laughs) How are you today? Not too bad at all. So you're making your own noodles now. Well, it's it's just an extension of my, my understanding of flour. I'm just always Mm. amazed at how much you can make out of just flour and water and salt uh, and just different consistencies. So, yes, yes, (laughs) I'm trying to make noodles from scratch. Uh, Yeah, it's just flour, flour, water, salt. That's it. Uh, You just have to let it rest and roll it out and cut it up and then boil it. Uh, So, yeah, that's (laughs) by a week. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've been very busy with... Too many projects, Conrad. Too many projects. Why do you keep doing it to yourself? I don't know. I just keep saying yes to things. But then I come up with other things as well. So I'm currently uh, mixing vocals for a song for your EP. Ah, yes. And I'm nearly done with that, which is exciting. Mm. Our friend Tracy and I are thinking about making some music together. Ah. Um, I also have a project in the back of my mind that I'm working on with Joe Lipsit from the Horror Queers, yes. which is quite interesting, but I can't say too much about that at the moment, just in case it goes horribly wrong. But we're having <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, and movieably at and Dreamland, and Dreamland, of course. So, yes. yeah, just... You know, so my average week is sort of researching eight different things at the same time, which (laughs) is crazy. But I like to keep my brain going. Mm. I like to keep my brain active. Yes, that's that's important. (laughs) That is important. Yeah. But uh, don't push yourself too hard. Don't stress yourself out. (laughs) (laughs) No, sometimes I do think maybe I should just relax for an hour. That would be nice. (laughs) No, of course not. That's not in your vocabulary. Relax. That's not a word. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's true. So, Conrad, uh, who's relaxing in our fan base? <laughs> who's talking to us? <laughs> well, fortunately, they're not slacking off. They're still contacting us, which is good. We heard from Dr. Doggy about keyboards. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. They Computer said, keyboards. yes, you were asking what a tilde was used for, says Dr. Doggy. One use is in programming. It's used in a pattern matching algorithm called a regular expression. It lets you Ah. search for characters that would normally be a wild card, like a star or a question mark, within a string. This is where we can all appreciate that keyboards were designed by coders 
rather than writers. Right, right. I had yeah. no idea. No, me neither. So thanks for that. I had no idea what it was for. Mm-hmm. We also heard from Melinda, our friend uh. from Dreamland and Retroblasting, on Ice Pirates. And she said, a tie? I did place my vote. <laughs> But I can see why dudes of a certain age may have fond memories uh, of it. Yes. I hated this movie, though. <laughs> it was just so boring, meandering and juvenile that it was a marathon of me trying to stay awake, punctuated by me occasionally yelling, fuck you, movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, juvenile is an adequate description. Yeah, sorry you had to watch that, Melinda. Mm. <laughs> Wicked Person got in touch to say that he agreed with us on Spaceballs. He said Spaceballs felt like dusty middle-aged people making fun of Star Wars, which I loved. It seemed clear that the makers of Spaceballs didn't feel the same. Mm. Perhaps Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams should make a big-budget production, Spaceballs, The Rise of Balls, that meticulously (laughs) displays confusion as to why anyone ever liked the original. It wouldn't be able to compete with James Gunn's The Ice Pirates Volume 2, though. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice dig. I'd actually like to see James Gunn's Ice Pirates Volume 2. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it would be dissimilar to Guardians. No, it wouldn't. It'd still have a great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We also heard from Surge of Cold Crash Pictures. Hello, Surge. Ah, Hey, Surge. The Ice Pirates didn't work for me. It's trying to do too much on 40% of a budget, too dull to be an action, too grim to be a comedy, and every reference to other better sci-fi films that are supposed to be funny just remind me of what I'd rather be watching. Oh, wow. There... <laughs> there are good ideas here, though. Everyone aging several decades during the final fight was a cool idea. Maybe it's worth a ground-up remake with a proper budget this time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would watch a remake. Yeah. It's one of those cases where a remake would be justified because there is room for improvement mm, and mm. expansion and yeah. development. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for writing to us, everyone. Uh, using your tilde or not, um, <laughs> we do love hearing from you. Yes, yes, yes. I love all, you, all your emails at uh, movie.oubliet at gmail.com. So, Dan, what are we doing this time? Yes, well, I will just go grab it. Oh, I'm on some sort of spaceship. Uh, there's, there's trash everywhere. There's a conveyor belt. Oh, there's a movie on the conveyor belt. Hang on. Let's navigate around these goats. Oh, no. They're not goats. They're, they're not goats. Uh, okay, here's the movie. Oh, thank goodness. Hey, give me a juice box, bitch. Okay, I'm back. Oh. Welcome back. So what do you have for us? So today we are going to be talking about 2005's the, the, every time, Zathora. <laughs> Why is it so hard to pronounce? Uh, Zs and Ths in close proximity. Very, very difficult. Mm. Uh, it's directed by John Favreau, uh, based on a, a picture book by Chris Van Allsburg. Um and it stars uh, Jonah Bobo, Josh Hutchison, Dax Shepard, Kristen Stewart, and uh, Tim Robbins. 
Yeah, wow, that's quite a lineup. So, what happens in this movie? So, we follow brothers Danny and Walter as they play the retro tin mechanized board game Zathora, which Danny finds under the stairs. It isn't an ordinary board game, though, as their house gets physically blasted into deep space with them in it. As they move the pieces along the board, perilous events unfold. Meteor showers, buzzsaw killer robots, Zorgon alien (laughs) barrages, and uh, of course their older sister, Lisa, frozen in cryosleep for five turns. (laughs) Fortunately... They are aided by the sudden arrival of the astronaut, which may or may not invoke a Game of Thrones Lannister situation. Uh, Will (laughs) our characters survive the impending pull of Zathora at the black hole and return back to Earth? Let's find out after the break. And we'll be joined by a special guest who saw this movie as a child. Yes, yes, childhood favourite. Let's talk about it. Joining us today is the host of the I've Been Meaning to Watch That podcast, Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a joy. Very happy to talk about this movie with you guys. And, you know, I had you guys as guests on my podcast before. So coming on yours is, it's a privilege. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's great to have you Mm. here. So tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, of course. So I am the creator of the podcast I've been meaning to watch that it's a podcast that I created because I love talking about movies and tv shows and we basically go over like favorite movies tv shows themes and films we have you know fun little segments where we do like director deep dives the podcast that we did with you guys we talked about like horror movie flops yeah. kind of a theme with the podcast that you have mm. and if you would like to listen you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast specifically spotify and apple Podcasts. We also have a Patreon, so feel free to check that out with full-length VODs. And we recently celebrated 100 episodes this week. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So you have 100 episodes of content to catch up on if you (laughs) join the I've Been Meaning to Watch That family. So. Ah. Yeah. yeah. I often do that when I find a new podcast. I sort of binge the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Well, speaking of looking at a back catalogue, mm-hmm. the film that you've chosen for us to talk about today is from quite a while ago now, 2005. Yes. It's sort of a semi-sequel to the original Jumanji movie. Kind of, mm. yeah. With Robin Williams. It's certainly based on a book written by the same author and I think it's set in the same universe, is the way that they put it. Mm-hmm. Zaythura, A Space Adventure, directed by John Favreau, yes. who went on to do... Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, like a big Marvel guy and is directing and writing The Mandalorian and The Lion King and goodness knows what else. Mm. So, you know, his career didn't suffer. But this movie did not do very well. So I'm interested to hear, Monica, why you chose this movie and if you've seen it before and what your relationship is with it. I chose this movie because growing up, we did not have cable. We had um, over-the-air TV. We had this channel 
where it was show these movies on the weekends, the same way the TNT always shows like Marvel movies sometimes. Mm. And it would always show like random weird movies that are very like either really adult or like looks like they're for kids, but they're not really good for kids. Like this movie is a thorough. <laughs> and I was going through the channels looking for something to watch on Saturday. And this movie came on. And at that time I had a huge Josh Hutcherson just huge crush on him. Right. So <laughs> when I saw him right there, and I was like, oh, maybe we're in for it. And it was like sci-fi and it was intense and I was into it and I was having so much fun. And it was actually like a really good movie. And then I completely forgot that I saw this. And then rewatching it, mm. I'm like, I remember every single thing that happened in this movie, but it's so crazy <laughs> to rewatch it because it's like, oh, I forgot that this person's in this movie, but I didn't have the context for them because rewatching it now, it's like, oh, Oh, that's so wild that they're in this movie. Yeah. So that's why I chose it. Cause like, it was just something from my childhood that was like so random and something I just watched Sunday that I forgot, but like rewatching it just like brought back so many memories. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is like that. Dan, had you seen this one before? Uh, I only saw it very recently, like maybe in the last couple of years uh, for the first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. This movie definitely just flew under the radar. I hadn't really heard of it. It's got a pretty striking cover or poster, like a, a, a house just floating in space. Looks pretty surreal. Yeah, and and so I watched it recently, and I was surprised because it's a really well-made film. Like, there's some great visuals in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I saw this on rental. This was the heyday of DVD, and I actually watched it on a second-hand DVD this time uh -huh. uh, just to get the full 2005 experience. <laughs> yes. I wasn't a kid at this point, 2005. I was beyond that. So it didn't really stick with me, and I'd forgotten everything about it. But revisiting it again, yeah, it's a really solidly made, detailed production, high production values. Yeah. It was a $65 million budget, mm -hmm. It only grossed $65 million, yeah, so, so wow. we all know breaking even is not good enough in Hollywood. Right. No. It debuted on the 11th of November 2005, so I guess it's going for sort of the Thanksgiving period, right. holiday period. Mm -hmm. And it placed third behind Chicken Little and derailed a Jennifer Aniston Clive Owen crime thriller. Never seen I don't that. Even remember that movie. I have seen Chicken Little, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Chicken Little, yeah. <laughs> It dropped to sixth when Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came out. Of course. Yeah. And then 11th, 13th, 24th, and then it was gone after week five. So oh. uh, Favreau has talked about it being a bust. Wow. Mm. It did not do very well. It was sort of sandwiched in between massive franchise movies like Harry Potter, and it just failed to find its audience, mm. which is a shame yeah. because it has a lot to offer, I think. It does. Actually, I remember watching it and thinking like, this is a lot like Jumanji. Because mm. I had also been a huge fan of Jumanji because I'm a very big Robin Williams fan. Right. So yeah. watching Zathura was like, oh, this is so much like Jumanji. That's so weird. And I didn't even know that the guy who wrote the Jumanji books also wrote the book that this movie is based off of. Yeah, yeah. but there was quite a huge gap between Jumanji, the book Jumanji, and yeah. uh, Zathura. Like, it's like 20-something years. Uh, like, uh -huh. um, Jumanji was written in 1981, I believe. Oh, wow. And Zathura was like 2002, I think it was. Oh. So, it, like, a huge gap. So, Zathura is a semi-sequel because on the last page of Jumanji you do see the characters of Walter and Danny so oh, that is the link between the two books you're not really I mean I guess of course 
they both about board games, mm-hmm. but Zathora the movie does update the board game look and does kind of have that sort of retrofit of being tin and being completely mechanical as opposed to a dice, which is uh, what the book illustrates. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I mean, the basic premise is, if we talk about the story, the premise is essentially same. So it's yes. two young kids, mm-hmm. estranged parents, moving into a new house, discovering a board game, starting to play it. And then the things that happen in the board game happen in real life mm. with disastrous consequences for the house. And <laughs> yes. they have to finish <laughs> the game in order to set the world to rights. And even more so, there is somebody who played the game before who was trapped in the game. Mm-hmm. That's right. Who they yes, yes. set free. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially Jumanji. In space. It's space. <laughs> 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 It does have a different feel to it, though. Like, Jumanji feels quite, even though it is set in the house, it feels bigger because they do go Mm -hmm. into the street. They've got the elephants and the rhinos and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. smashing cars and stuff. Whereas this is very sort of insular. It's just in the house in space. I mean, there are spaceships and stars being pulled into gravity fields of stars and, that, and asteroids and that sort of thing, but it does feel quite contained within the house. I feel like that works, though, because, like, Zathura has, like, such a huge premise, and, like, there's so much that happens in the movie, and it's hard to have a movie where there's so much going on, and you have so many people, and you have to keep up with every single character. So it kind of helps that, like, it's just in the house, it's just a set group of people, and they're the only people having to deal with it. Because once you kind of like, you know, make it too big and too wide, then the story kind of escapes itself. Yeah, yeah. I do split the movie into two halves. I feel like it's the first half is just the two kids trying to deal with the game. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is, is Dax Shepard's arrival as the astronaut mm-hmm. and him guiding them through the game. Because the first half of them playing the game, things just happen and they just have to not die. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> whereas when Dax Shepard arrives, the astronaut, he kind of is able to change things. You know, he saves Walter from being ejected into space. He uh, lures the Zorgons away. Mm-hmm. Like He's able to alter the course of the game. Yeah, and give them an objective. So they're trying to finish the game so they can get back in one piece, mm. hopefully. And he helps steer them towards that. There is also another character. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is playing the older sister, which is a bit of a shocker. Mm-hmm. She begged Jon Favreau not to cast her in this movie. Really? Yes, apparently oh. so. Because she said she has no ear for comedy. It's not something that she does. She didn't feel comfortable doing it. And the studio was sending him lots of audition tapes of sitcom sister characters, Mm -hmm. actors Ah. that played that sort of thing. And he said to Kristen Stewart, I need the older sister to be serious. I need the audience to believe the older sister. I don't want a sitcom older sister who's mugging at every line. Mm -hmm. And I think she nails it. It's a bit of a shame that she gets frozen in Act 1 and sort of sits out Act 2 and doesn't come back until Mm -hmm. Act 3, which is pretty much what happened to Hermione Granger in... Chamber of Secrets in 2002, oh, which right. is why Emma Watson doesn't like that movie, because <laughs> she's not in it. Yeah, sure. But it's amazing to see Kristen Stewart in this. It is. It's kind of wild to see her 
act at such a young age mm. because I feel like that solidifies this argument that I've always had for Krista Stewart is that she's a good actress. Like she's a phenomenal actress. And a lot of people didn't believe that when they were watching Twilight. And mm. I was still like, I may not be a fan of the Twilight movies, but she's doing her best with what she's got. Like if you read the books, <laughs> she plays the character to the T right. and yeah, I've read does. the books and I've watched the movies. She does it. She carries it to see her be such a good actress at like such a young age. is like, you know what? No. Cause she tried to like back out of the role and John Favreau was right to put her in there. Cause she does play the older sister very well of like being extremely freaked out because her house is in space. Like she <laughs> wanted to meet a cute boy tonight and she thought she was late and she wanted to take a shower Mm. next thing she knows she's floating out of outer space and she's no (laughs) idea what's going on and you can't have someone who's like been on nick at night or like someone who was like on the disney channel or like abc family like oh no guys the mood it's like girl be serious (laughs) like it's not like that yeah I do like the family dynamic. It does ring very true to me, the relationship between the brothers. There's a four-year difference between Walter and Danny. Mm -hmm. There's a six-year difference between myself and my older brother. And I do remember that period very clearly where you're the kid with the single-digit age Mm -hmm. and you can't do all the things that your older brother can do, but you really want to hang out with him and his friends. And at the same time, the older brother's got this bratty little kid that keeps asking for his attention all the time. Yeah, A lot of people look at the movie and get annoyed by the two brothers because they're at each other's throats pretty much for the majority of the movie until the very end. Yeah, And there's a lot of screaming. In fact, they had to cut out a lot of the screaming after feedback on the preview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is one scene that is is completely incoherent because it's just everyone screaming. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I found the brothers' relationship very believable, and the older sisters as well. Monica, you have siblings too. Does this ring true for you? Yeah, it does. It's so <laughs> true to life because I've also babysat younger children, mm. and this is what they're like. <laughs> like siblings, for some reason, are just mortal enemies. When they get to a certain age, they blame each other for things that they did. They want to steal each other's food. It's like, y'all always at war. I don't understand. Like, you're supposed to be family. You still love each other. So watching this movie and seeing them fight while they're in space, it's like, okay, I get it. I understand. Like, y'all are young, your kids. But also, like, we have to, like, keep it together. You know what I mean? So it's very true to form. And I loved it. I loved their relationship. I thought it was really good. Yeah. yeah. I, Conrad, you did mention people being annoyed at the characters constantly fighting. But I do find on first watch it is annoying. I guess mm-hmm. the, the characters are annoying. The, yeah. Danny's kind of useless for a lot of the movie. He's constantly making mistakes. But there is the character arc. They do, you know, finally make amends at the end, and especially with the twist of Dax Shepard. Uh-huh. Spoilers here. Being the future Walter, uh-huh. and then they have the paradox moment where they touch each other and become one or something. I don't know what's going on and so (laughs) there is that sort of reconciliation at the end and at the very end when they're actually throwing they're playing catch with with each other like it's very heartfelt so i do feel like on second watch you get that now Mm -hmm. because you know where it's going it's not just going to be a movie with annoying characters forever 
to all the credits, they do change. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked at some of the things that Walter says to his little brother. Oh, yeah. At one point, he says, everything was great until you came along, which oh, I thought, oof, yeah. ouch. Yeah. That, that is, is yeah. you are inferring that Danny caused your parents' divorce. But mm. then later in the movie, he explicitly comes out and says it. Everything is your fault. It's your fault. Mom and dad got divorced. Mm. It's brutal. Oh, yeah. Brutal, that scene. Yeah. But kids are like that. Kids can be cruel. Yes. No, kids have no filter. They'll tell you exactly what they think, exactly how they feel, exactly what they see right in front of them. They don't care about your feelings. They are so observant. They're like, you will say the truth, but I will, because it's not going to hurt me. I have no stake in the game. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I just say what I want. You know what I mean? And they're kids, so they can get away with it. It's like, you're not going to beef with the like 10-year-old, because then you're the bad guy, mm. even though they started it. So when he was going off with his brother, I was like, that's harsh. But also... I've seen that happen before. So, you know what? I'm going to let him cook. You know, you're in space. It's very stressful. There's a robot just trying to kill you. You're feeling a lot of emotions. You're feeling a lot of things. And you know what? He did start it. He did push the button. But, you know, he's also six. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, he's a kid. Like, he just wanted to play with his brother. Kids push buttons. Yes, yes, exactly. yes, yes, yes. That's what they do. Yeah. There's some great behind the scenes of this movie on, like, the DVD that I watch. Um, when they brought out the game for the first time to show the actors and, and the kid actors, mm-hmm. it was, like, the full mechanical, like, it was all, like, motorized and everything. And when they brought it out, the actor that played Danny, Jonah Bobo, immediately reached out and tried to pull the spaceship um, piece <laughs> off the board. And the whole crew is like, whoa, ho, ho, don't, whoa, don't touch the board. It's like, kids will be kids. They will touch things. Mm-hmm. Dan, you mentioned the twist. Yes. So Dax Shepard, it turns out, playing the astronaut who suddenly appears halfway through the movie. It turns out, is Walter 15 years older, having been trapped in the game? Yeah, if, some sort of parallel reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm confused about it because there are a lot of twist clues throughout the film. When you watch it a second time, that's quite fun. So the astronaut at one point, Walter is trying to order him around and he pulls out this Space Admiral card that he got from the board game earlier oh, on. Oh, yes, that's right. And the astronaut pulls out exactly the, the same card the same and says, one. I've got one of these too, and just laughs at him. There's the wonderful line, whose brother are you, his or mine, when Walter is shouting at Danny, trying to get him to pick between whose advice he's going to take. And of course, uh. the joke is that they both are. There are lots of little clues feathered throughout the movie so that it's fun when you watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. But I don't really understand the paradox here because the older Walter saves the younger Walter after he's ejected from the house. So presumably if he hadn't been there, he would have died. Mm. Is that the thing that he was trying to stop? Or was he trying to stop his younger self from wishing his brother away when the shooting star went past? Mm. But I don't understand how he did that Mm -hmm. because he would have been dead. If like he's from their first go around or something, he would have been ejected from the house before he ever got to the shooting star bit. So I was confused. I'm not (laughs) sure it ties up. I feel like... That's on the basis that the game is exactly the same as I played it previously. And I don't believe that it is. Oh, it changes. Okay. The game that they're playing is different from the one that was played previously in the, you know, the dimension that we are not yeah. in or experience. That makes sense. So it's it's like the Zathora multiverse. It's, yeah. It's, yes. Uh, <laughs> way before Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They did it first. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the cards are, you know, the same cards are in the game, but they're not 
going to come out in the same order. I yeah, because the yeah. Shooting Star one came out twice too, mm. and it's supposed to only come out once. Yeah. So the game is evolving. Yeah. No, you're right. That makes perfect sense. It would have been a different game. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So, Monica, you did mention killer robots. There, there's so much danger in this movie. Every single move, they could have died. Mm. Just lethal, lethal moves yes, in this game. Absolutely. I am so, so surprised they even made it out of the meteor shower. <laughs> when that first happened, I was actually like fully shocked when I was watching the movie for the first time because the kids are running in the living room yeah. and yet the meteors are coming down and not even like a scratch, not even like a singe, not even like a burn. And I'm like, mm. okay, maybe this isn't as lethal as it is but it's still kind of scary so like i'm intrigued yeah i mean it feels lethal because there's just so much destruction Mm. like the house is in tatters yes absolutely (laughs) destroyed the robot arriving just running charging through door frames and like uh into walls Wow. Mm-hmm. And and it's all practical. All the destruction's all practical as well, which is amazing to see mm-hmm. like in the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been added to with some CGI, but a lot of the destruction, a lot of the flames real yeah which is incredible yeah. oh yeah Kristen stewart had said in an interview that like the fire they set in the kitchen was a real fire wow like, when they were burning all the wood it was like actually real yeah yeah i love that i like the practical effects that they have instead of like you know cgi because obviously like you know the giant robot possibly not really there but obviously like the destruction around the house the fact that it's like actually there and the kids are like acting in i feel like really lends to it also it feels like fun Hmm. you know like i feel like if i was an actor like a child actor and i was acting on this movie and i get to see like actual destruction while i'm acting that helps you stay (laughs) in the moment you know like i want to light a couch on fire yeah you know like that sounds like a good time yeah yeah (laughs) i think that's the reason why john favreau wanted more practical effects because it's hard to make a kid act scared when they're just looking at a tennis ball on a stick yeah. uh, as opposed to an actual because I think the ro- most of the robot scenes there was a guy in a robot suit not a full robot suit so I think it was mainly just the ball torso part and then the legs so they added the arms later and some of the scenes where the robot looks like it's slipping around it's literally the actor not really being able to see that well in this giant robot <laughs> suit just sliding around on the floor. <laughs> That's what makes it so fun because it's just this guy in this ridiculous suit. He's, I think it's the feet and the body and the legs were added in. And the arms. With CGI yeah, and the yeah. arms. So all the bits where he can't quite balance and he's slipping up on debris, it's all real. Yeah. And I think you wouldn't necessarily get that just from an animator sitting in a building working on minimum wage for 16 hours trying to do a 300th effect shot. You yeah. just wouldn't get that it's stuff. 2005 as well. It's better than the 90s CGI, but it's still getting better, getting better. Mm. And some of the other robot scenes where the robot slams into the wall, like that's a another robot that they'd constructed that was fully welded iron, like a brick, just <laughs> slamming into a wall. And the flames on the on the robot's feet were real. It's 
just like phenomenal how much work went into this movie in terms of practical effects. And the house as well, obviously they're on a soundstage the whole time, but also for the portions of the movie where they're sort of like going through a big gravity situation or falling into a black hole. Mm -hmm. They actually had a floor of the house built up on a massive gimbal that they could shake and move around and tip 90 degrees. So all those scenes where the kids are sort of walking up the walls and hanging on to things and books are flying off bookshelves, it's all real. They're actually on like the Disney ride of their lives. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think Dax Shepard mentioned it was like, yeah, being on the Disney ride, except we got paid for it. (laughs) That's great. Ideal. I actually remember watching the Futurette and seeing like the scene where they pull the wall back yeah just like you see zathura and actually like seeing them do it and then it's like the green screen i was like oh this is intense like this is everything mm. like just watching the movie as like a kid i'm experiencing it and i'm like this is so good and then re-watching it and seeing the effects that go into it i was just like this is phenomenal the amount of care and detail and like time that was put into creating like the effects mm. it's great all the practical effects just makes it look so much more real and so much more tangible than all the crazy amount of cgi that they put into movies now mm-hmm. when i first watched this movie i thought oh this is cgi like the harpoon the, <laughs> from the from the zorgon ships that's just, just cgi right but it uh-huh. was real the real harpoon slamming into the house mm-hmm. it's insane <laughs> seeing the behind the scenes and yeah. realizing wow that was an actual thing that they did <laughs> it reminds me of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio oh, and the yes. amount of time they put into making oh, that movie. Yes. Stop motion. I love seeing that movies are still being made where people want to like take the time to create something that is like meaningful and something that of course takes a lot of energy and like effort from artists, but something that is created like by hand. And for a director to have that much care into making it so realistic for the actors who are just part of the story mm. and then for the audience to see the amount of detail you put into creating this and giving it lending it to the audience it just warms my heart like i love those kind of movies yeah yeah, yeah. me too it is incredible to see how much they adapted from the book like they added so much in this movie just purely on on the visual aesthetic like that with the game they made it much more retro 60s art deco kind of um with a sort of buck rogers like flash gordon retro side sci-fi aesthetic to the whole mm-hmm. whole film the robot looks really retro the zorgon ships look really retro with all the sort of bolts that you can see <laughs> yeah and the fins <laughs> it is quite a love letter to sort of an older time and i i think john yeah. favreau did mention that there were lots of sort of movies that he watched growing up that that really did influence this movie and how it came out and so much attention to detail and how they built it all. Much like the work on Pinocchio, there's a lot of miniatures in this movie. There's a lot of model work going on. Yeah. Because yeah. John Favreau says it. it's really funny watching the making of because he's going on about how he believes in practical and he doesn't think CGI is good at things that could be made with miniatures that humans immediately relate to something that's physically there. Mm. Clearly, he has changed his mind since making the atrocities like the Lion King remake, <laughs> which is quote unquote live action, but it's bloody CGI from yeah, beginning to end. It's just an animated uh, movie. It's, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess that's just because CGI has changed. It's improved, yeah. He's moved yeah. with the times. But I do appreciate all of the artistry and the physical effort that went into making this movie. And it's a delight to watch because of it, I think. Yeah. Watching an interview with the author of the book or an illustrator, um, Chris Van Allsburg, like his illustrations are amazing. Like they're very textural. It's all physical medium, like pencils and pens and, and, and paint and stuff. But it does look quite wholesome, whereas with the adaptation in the movie, they've added so much. I mean, in the book, they kind of allude to things as well. The Zorgons, are, you don't really see them in like full body shots of the Zorgons. And whereas this, they're fully giant lizard alien guys just running around <laughs> with tongues coming out and they look terrifying it did remind me of jurassic park though mm-hmm. especially that one scene it was just like the velociraptor scene from jurassic park mm-hmm. clear influences here on john favreau yeah was it a bit much watching it as a kid i mean i was a jaded 20 something when i watched this yeah was it scary it was a lot trust <laughs> me because when i was a kid I was scared of Jurassic Park. I was too, yeah. (laughs) I didn't watch, like, horror movies growing up. And I feel like as I got older, I got into horror movies. Me too. But I don't know. Like, there were certain movies I watched that I knew they were scary, but I could get through it. And I feel like the main reason why I watched Sathura was because... A, Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> but also, like, B, like, like I have to know how it ends. And by the time, like, the Zorgons joined in, I was like, okay, well, now I'm here for good. Because <laughs> I need to know, like, are they going to make it? Because in my head, I'm like, they're not going to die. Because, like, when it, you're watching a movie on cable, there are commercials. And then it comes back from the commercials, it shows, like, the rating. And it's, like, PG in the corner. And I'm like, okay, it's PG. I'm fine. Is it going to be okay? No one's going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they're going to die, it'd be PG-13. You can watch this movie. So it was, like, a lot watching it. Yes. <laughs> I have to say, a lot of people think this is, like, a new trend. And I've now realized this has been happening for forever. Like, your kid is having a conflict. They go through some big adventure. And then that's their therapy. They're healed. Mm. No more trauma. You're good. So now it's, like, <laughs> two kids fighting. Throw them into space. And then future you will come to you and be like, hey, be nice to your brother. And you absorb <laughs> yeah. their knowledge and absorb their experience. And, oh, look. No therapy needed. They're good. It's okay. Mm, like harmonious yeah. friendship. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like what I got when I was younger. And then get now older, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Because I think of movies like Turning Red. Yeah. It's like, oh, they've been doing this for forever. Just squeeze therapy <laughs> into children movies and then they'll be fine. Mm, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Get along with your brother or else there'll be monkeys in the streets. Yeah. There'll be monkeys <laughs> in the streets. That's the last thing I wanted to say. Yeah. It's a very good point. So basically what we're saying is to resolve all our sibling conflicts, <laughs> we should go through trauma. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. Some yeah. Put them in, in extreme peril and then mm-hmm. they'll be fine. <laughs> they have to work together. Yes. Yeah. Now it's time for random trivia okay dan what fabulous piece of trivia popped out of your zathura board today Uh, yes uh so uh behind the scenes is amazing for this movie on the dvd like the feature is is incredible there's so much detail into how they made this movie Uh, and there's one detail i wanted to point out so the actor that played danny jonah bobo um he had lost a, bu- a bunch of his, his baby teeth during the filming of this movie. So he had to wear, like, I guess, dentures, fake teeth, um, so that he would, you know, yeah. 
retain continuity throughout the film and have a full set of teeth, which is hilarious because he was only like, what, seven or eight at the time? So like, <laughs> like this little kid wearing dentures. Yeah. Six, I think. Oh, yeah. that makes sense because if you're watching a movie and you see the kid like losing teeth, I guess like in the audience's mind, it's either like, this kid is going through it. Like he's going through it so much he's losing <laughs> yeah, teeth. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, they've been here forever. They've been here for years. <laughs> Stop <laughs> having these kids. Like, so that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. I love that. They took molds of his teeth of his mouth before filming started and they had an orthodontist on set throughout production six months and kept having to make new molds for him because more baby yeah, teeth would fall no. out and they'd have to fill more gaps. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that's our trivia. Yes. The one thing that I would say about the film that I find a little bit of a weak spot is Dax Shepard. Oh. Right. Now, I like him as a comedic actor. Yeah. Mm. He had hesitation about doing this movie about whether he could be a heroic figure. Mm. I actually don't think he has any difficulty with that at all. Mm. It's the pivotal scene where he's talking about the fact that he wished away his own brother, wished his own brother out of existence. Mm -hmm. I think the scenes that require him to dig into a deep well of emotion, and that must be traumatic. Being stranded in a game because you've banished your only brother Mm -hmm. into a void, Mm. that's bad. Mm. That's pretty bad. And I'm afraid I didn't buy it. I didn't quite think he had the chops to pull that off. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I do agree with you because Dak Shepard doesn't really give me like emotional character. You know, like I've also watched some of his other works and he is definitely like the kind of actor who's like, I don't care. Mm. I don't know how to describe it exactly. He's like, you know, I see the world for what it is and the world is effed up and it's like, whatever, you know, <laughs> he's kind of like that guy. So like, you're mm. right. When he was talking about like his brother be banished, I don't know if you're trying to be a cool guy right now, but I feel like if me, myself, I, I was an astronaut for 20 years feeding through a tube and I see my younger brother in front of me at the same age when he disappeared, I might feel some type of way. Mm. I might've. Yeah. So you're right. And even when he did see Danny, he was still treating Danny like he was just a kid. Like, oh, this is a young kid. You know, I'm trying to help these kids out. You know, I'm trying to be a good guy. They saved me. I'm an astronaut. So, you know, I'm trying to do my part, whatever. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think if he'd been really wounded and if you'd seen the connection at the beginning, I mean, obviously they didn't want to give too much away, but if he'd obviously cared about them right from the very beginning, And if when he was relaying that story, he had the chops as an actor to really go for it emotionally. Mm -hmm. I think the payoff when the two brothers realise how much they've got to look out for each other, it would tip it over from being not only just a great fun adventure with fantastic visuals and great effects into something that became as like a family classic because it had this tear-jerking emotional beat for the ending before the credits rolled Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't quite do it Mm. for me it's fine but it just doesn't quite push it over into classic status i think that might be why it didn't linger long in the Mm. memory yeah yeah well so what you're saying he's no robin williams Mm. he's not yeah (laughs) which is fair enough few men are yeah (laughs) yeah 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 I do want to say I did like the casting for Dak Shepard as Josh Hutcherson in that time Mm -hmm. period. I feel like he is pretty close to what we think 
Josh Hutcherson would look like. Right, yeah, yeah. If he was a little older, obviously now, like, seeing Josh Hutcherson as an older guy, <laughs> it's kind of like... We kind of know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kind of have, like, some kind of idea, but he was a pretty close fit. Mm. It's also interesting to see Tim Robbins also in this movie, like, such a... <laughs> phenomenal actor just mm. in, in the start and at the end playing the dad he does play it well i guess yeah some really great actors in this movie mm-hmm. there are i love tim robbins take on the movie that he liked that it was all inside the house because it reminded him of all the adventures that he had as a kid Aww. all the different worlds that you would go to mm. inside your own house because it's wet outside or whatever your house becomes this fantastic world and so the idea the image of the house in space just hooked him from the get-go he thought yeah i get it yeah 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 (laughs) also comparing to jumanji i do think the visuals age way better than jumanji because if you look at some of the cgi in jumanji especially the monkeys Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. just not good not good so Mm -hmm. in that respect i think zuthora has the upper hand (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think it does yeah animals were tough and trying to do animals back then i mean it was industrial light and magic they were doing their best but yeah yeah Yeah. it's not great it's the 90s cgi not great yeah very true another thing that is a little bit of a step down i think is the music so jumanji's music was by the late great james horner Mm -hmm. pretty difficult to compete with that this score is by John Debney. John Debney, somebody that I have every ounce of respect for, but he's very much the guy you go to when you can't get James Horner. Right, in right. this period. I mean, when you look at his filmography, the the composer John Debney, he does a lot of this type, not this type, but like family friendly movies. So he's done like Christmas with the Cranks, uh, Bruce Almighty. Princess Diaries, Spy Kids, like he does that type of sound of, of score very well. I don't know. I think it does work. It, it is very cheesy. It does all the things it's supposed to do, but I think it does work. And it's big. It makes the film seem bigger. Yeah, it's a big adventuresome score. Yeah, I don't know. It just <laughs> it sounds like, you know, if you said to an AI, do a children's action adventure movie, this is what would come out. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you guys are talking about the score and I was thinking about like the music Kristen Stewart was playing and I was like, girl, me too. <laughs> that was so 2005 too, because it was like the radio and like her with her little like, mm. I don't know, I guess Walkman. I was like, how, what is she listening to music with? Like, I wasn't sure well. whether it was a mini disc player or not, or yeah. an MP3 player. I'm not sure. It's mm-hmm. something like that. So Columbia is, of course, owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. So there was no way they were going to allow an Apple iPod to be in the movie. So she's listening to some Sony device. Right. The one concession that Favreau got was that she is listening to it on Bose headphones oh yeah because sony did not have noise cancelling headphones and they thought she's got to have noise cancelling headphones with these kids or she would hear what's going on yeah so they managed to get her some good headphones but yeah she's got a shitty non-ipod ipod (laughs) that she's listening to yeah sure sure poor Kristen stewart Coming to you live from the Movie Oubliette Theatre, it's the prestigious Movie Awards. 
Okay, it's the Moobly Awards. It's everyone's favourite part of the pod. Uh, it's where we nominate our favourite golden card wish-granting parts of the film in a number of It's Not a Goat categories. Best quote. My favourite quote was, I'm your brother, and that's what being a brother means. Means I'll never let anything happen to you. Aww. When I heard him say that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. It's kind of like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, I wish y'all didn't have to go through all this just for y'all to make nice. But if we had to get here by this way, then I'm glad we got here anyways, you know. So that's my favorite quote. Mm. Well, my favorite was one of Danny's attempts to read one of the cards because he's he's terrible at reading, mm. bless him, he's only six. And uh, he reads Rescue Stranded Astronaut as Rest on Standing AstroTurf. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Oh. Which is amazing but i don't quite believe it because i'm sure a kid of that age would know the word astronaut more than they knew the word astroturf mm-hmm. but okay yeah fine whatever yeah. it's funny it's funny it's funny it's funny <laughs> Uh, my favorite quote, it's just one line. It's during the meteor shower uh, and everything's uh, getting smashed to pieces uh, by these tiny meteors going through the ceiling. Um, and one of the meteors does hit an urn of ashes on the shelf and that smashes. <laughs> and then uh, young Danny just cries out, Grandma! <laughs> <laughs> Best hair or costume? Best costume goes to Dak Shepard just because of the pants. Like, when he loses uh. the astronaut suit and his pants, I don't know what it is, but, like, his pants are so cool. So fresh and yet so raggedy. And that's in. You know what I mean? So, like, that was my favorite costume. That's <laughs> mm, best costume. Yeah. That's this season's look. <laughs> mm. Well, my favorite was Walter's ridiculously huge basketball shorts, which, oh. um, bless him. Oh my gosh. Josh Hutchison is not a tall man. He, did, <laughs> he didn't grow into a tall man either. Uh, he's five foot five. Oh, wow. No shade on him. He is a beautiful man and a wonderful soul. Wait, he's five foot seven. Really? I got five foot five when I Googled him, but. Oh. Uh. <laughs> you may know him better than I do. <laughs> I only know that because it's my height. So. Okay. Yes. I think he might be shorter than you. But uh, when he's a kid and he's wearing these ridiculously huge basketball shorts, he just looks like a sporty Oompa Loompa. It just looks hilarious. <laughs> wow. Mm, yeah. Most naughty moment. I would have to say the radio in the bathroom. Because I would agree. I would agree. Everybody knows, like, you shouldn't have electronics near water. But for some reason... Everybody in like every movie you've seen to thousands has like a radio, a stereo, a speaker in their bathroom. And like mm. in my head, because I'm I watch too many movies, I'm like, girl, if a guy in a mask comes into your house, that's it. That's it for you. You get into the bathtub, he doesn't need to do much. He just needs to take it and then if the cord's long enough, that's it. This is so funny to me. Cause like if it was the movie was set in today, it would just be their phone and then like an Alexa or like a Google speaker and then them hitting the Spotify and then getting in the water. Like mm. or of uh, their phone in a baggie and then t- putting it on the bath. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that, but I know people do that. So I feel like at wow, some point in time they? I will see that. Yeah. Or you could buy yeah, like a special wow, like ziploc wow. thing where you put your phone in a baggie and it like suction cups it to the wall and then you can like pick your music, you know. Really? Oh wow. wow. No, I've I'm behind the time. Yes. 
I went for a piece of technology as well. I went for the Sony Vega Trinitron 4x3 aspect ratio TV oh. that's destroyed by the largest <laughs> oh, meteor. Yeah. Right, right. Oh my gosh. That TV, not a flat screen, big tube TV, mm-hmm. but it was the cutting edge. It was apparently the top selling TV model in the US by 2001. Um, by 2003, 40 million of them had been sold worldwide. Wow. There you wow. go. Huh. Favorite scene. There are lots of really key scenes. Um, I did really like the board game retrieval scene where Danny has to go down in the dumbwaiter um, and and get the board back. You know, navigate mm. his way through goats with four eyes and Zorgons shoveling <laughs> rubbish on a conveyor belt. It was it was a really tense scene, like really really mm. tense. Uh, I did feel there was a lot of suspense around it, um, and also having Danny being able to actually do something helpful and overcome his fears of going down into the basement. Um, so it was, it was a good scene for me. You ever notice yeah. how whenever they introduce a dumbwaiter into a movie, it always comes back. It's like a gun. It's like, you introduce it's, a gun yeah. in the beginning, <laughs> yep. it's going to come back around. <laughs> and usually the dumbwaiter, like, it's bad. Like, in whether or not, when they introduce that dumbwaiter, girl, stay away. Like, it wasn't good. Yeah. But this yeah. is like the one time I see a dumbwaiter in a movie and I'm like, oh, that's actually helpful. Okay, good. Go for Danny. Because I for real thought like someone's fingers were going to get cut off. I thought something bad was like, oh, really yeah. going to happen. So yeah. many horror movies. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Every time with the dumb waiter. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite was the, the sort of gravity scene mm-hmm. where they get too close to the planet and the, the whole house tips and they're hanging off the walls and... I just thought the whole combination of the CGI planet outside and the impressive real physical effects inside mm. the house and the kids doing their own stunts, I thought it was really exciting just as just as a, you know, big epic exciting scene and then it finishes with the frozen statue of Lisa bouncing down the stairs <laughs> and bumping into Walter's head <laughs> with a satisfying little pop. Yeah, that's my favorite sound <laughs> effect. I thought <laughs> Yeah. Is it? Oh no! I ruined your favorite sound effect. But yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Most cliche moment. This is a case where Monica's actually ruined my biggest cliche because mine was little boy in a dumb waiter. Oh uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh. Because. Uh, Little boys are always being lowered in dumbwaiters, or kids. Um, So I'm thinking of Halloween H20 in 1998, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018, Mm -hmm. Ready or Not. And of course, the Netflix series Haunting of Hill House had a very memorable lowered into the basement Mm. in a dumbwaiter scene. So yeah. Dumbwaiters, not good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they are often the only way to escape a killer or a ferocious monster. So, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Monica, what was your biggest cliche? My biggest cliche, I would have to say it's just piggybacking off of yours. It's just like there's a very small space and we need a very small person to go through. And of course, it has to be the youngest person. Whenever mm. this happens in like yes. a movie where you know the stakes are like up there, like this isn't a kid's movie, like something could happen. That's when I'm nervous because I'm like, are we going to kill a kid? Like, <laughs> we're not, not going to die, right? Like, no. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to say it out loud, but like, 
they're not gonna die right you know so that that was my biggest cliche because i'm like okay this is where the moment where he's gonna like be brave he's gonna be courageous he's six years old but he's about to show his stuff you know like i'm like you know rooting for danny i want him to do well and like i feel like when i was younger and watching this movie because like the stakes were up there for me and i'm like mm. oh my gosh let's hope that danny makes it out alive let's say a little prayer like this is a movie but let's just like let's <laughs> let's pray one up to the big guy hopefully danny gets out of here you know so having the youngest one go through the tiny space mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, my cliche uh is ignoring all rules of space in a sci-fi movie <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> best special effect i loved the kristen stewart uh ice body double because it looks mm. Unc- like it's it's uncanny how um, how detailed mm. it is. Um, the mm-hmm. first when she's first frozen and the boys go into the bathroom and and you, it pans over to her. I was like, is that actually Kristen Stewart? Like, how is she so still? Like it, it's it's mm. it's <laughs> unbelievable how how detailed they got they got with the um, the mold and then the 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 painting of her face like it looks really really incredible yeah it's amazing work mm-hmm. and i love all of the wax um ice on her as well it's bits of wax apparently oh right it's very oh. clever for me the best special effect was uh the robot which mm. uh, oh, yeah. we talked about it before just the ingenious approach with the real body and feet and the cgi arms and legs it just means that there's so much fun with it struggling to balance and slipping mm. up in things that you just would never get with a purely cgi yeah creature so yeah, yeah i loved it favorite sound effect i'll go first because conrad you did mention mine already uh it's when frozen Kristen stewart slides across the floor um and bonks her head against uh i think it's walter um and it's mm-hmm. got that really wooden bonk sound it almost sounds like a wood block <laughs> or like a croquet mallet or something it's it's, it's very wooden <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah it's a great way to to just put a cherry on top of that scene. Yeah, I love it. It's good. Monica, did you have a favorite sound effect in the movie? My favorite sound effect was just the mechanic of the game with mm. like the little rocket uh, moving. Because when it first starts, it's like, oh my gosh, this actually moves. That's so cool. And I'm interested. Like you're, you know, you're watching the kid play the game, and as the movie continues on, and the stakes get higher, it's like this feels like a ticking bomb. It's like, Mm, the more you play this game, the worse it gets. And you keep pushing the button, you turn the key, and things just, they just get worse. Like, the stakes, it's just (laughs) heightening, 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 heightening. What's next? What's next? What's next? You know? So, the game Mm. mechanic is my favorite um, sound effect. Yeah. That's a great choice. Most funniest moment. It's, I feel like, when I thought of the funniest scene in the movie, I felt bad, but I just have to say this. Um, it's immediately like, you know, Danny and uh, Walter are fighting, you know, the shooting star scene. And like, you could feel Walter getting angrier and angrier. And just like antagonizing his little brother and his brother runs away. And Dash Shepard's like, don't do it. Don't do what I think you're doing. And then Walter's like, you don't know what I'm thinking. And I'm like, we all know what you're thinking. We all know. And then mm. Dax, he runs. He runs upstairs. He's looking for Danny. He's searching for him. And then he comes back. Walter comes back holding a football and i remember watching when i was younger like no no what have you done and then the little boy just gets out from under the bed and in my head i was like oh wait the kid doesn't die and then 
he was like, no, I got this football signed by Brett Favre. I wish for football. And then Danny was like, why did you wish for us to go home? He's like, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure. People are yelling at me. And I was like, that is such a little kid thing to do. Little kids don't think practically. They don't. It's like, I want a football and I wish for one and I, and I got it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Cause like, oh good. He didn't wish for his brother to disappear. Okay, great. So we're okay. Cool. It's a great cool. way to relieve the pressure after a very <gasps> dramatic mm, scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, my funniest scene was uh, when Kristen Stewart's character Lisa realizes she has had the hots for her younger brother. Ah! <laughs> just the ah! absolute horror in her face ah! is just is perfect. <laughs> I love ah! that so much. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> And that's our Moobly Award. Ah, yes. Yes. Hi, I'm Zoe Wells from FilmJoy, and you're listening to Movie Oubliette. Okay, it's time for our final verdicts. Should John Favreau's Zathura from 2005 see the shining light of a shooting star and get its wish to be loved by the masses or should it be sucked into the endless black hole which is the oubliette with the rest of the zorgon ships uh, to be lost forever <laughs> uh, monica yeah. zathora does it still hold up it does should people watch this they should they should watch it this is required reading okay <laughs> i feel like if you are a young sci-fi fan, as in you had a very unhealthy obsession with Star Wars. Like, listen, I have Princess Leia as my phone background. Okay, I get it. I understand. And there are a lot, there's a lot of Star Wars everything going on right now. And only because I work, I have not seen every single thing that's come out on Disney+. Plus. But if you are someone who loves sci-fi at a very young age, and you also love board caves, aka you are obsessed with D&D now as an adult, you should watch Zathora. Like, you should watch this movie. It is funny. It is... It has a great story. It has... The fact that, like, they factor in practical effects with the CGI and thus makes the movie so much better because everything that happens in the film doesn't look fake. It doesn't mm. look, like, mm. absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't look like they didn't do anything. Like they didn't do anything. Just be like, like when that oven explodes at the end of that movie, I'm looking at it. I'm like, damn, that kid just gone. This house gone, destroyed. <laughs> like everything is a mess. When you see the first scene with the meteor, they're like from the jump. It's like we're in it now. We ain't playing no games. You think this is a kids movie, but we're not playing. This is for real. We're taking you on a space <laughs> adventure, girl. Buckle in, all right? We're going hard, okay? Everyone should watch Zathora. It should be released. It should be launched. It should be just yeeted into everybody's watch list. Like, y'all gotta go see it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm very... <laughs> I didn't expect this to be so impassioned. <laughs> I'm surprising myself right now. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, well, I mean, I would agree. I, I think I think the movie ages so well because of all the practical effects. Like, yes, a, a lit couch on fire spinning through space. Actually, mm -hmm. a lit couch on fire spinning. Um they use a, a bunch of CGI to touch things up and to, you know, take away the the puppet arms and and like mm -hmm. um, heads poking out of Zorgon suits. But it mm -hmm. it it ages so well. It, it's a simple story. It's a very simple story, and with with a very 
very few characters, um, but it works. I think it does work. Of course, you have to suspend your your disbelief of of anything sciencey because it just breaks all the rules of science. But that's fine because it's it's magic. It's Zathora, the board game. It, it breaks all the rules. And it's it's mm-hmm. a fun ride. It's a fun ride, and just so much destruction as well. I feel so sad for the house. And and when it when it sort of comes back to to reality, and they're back in the house on Earth, it's such a stark contrast to what the house became <laughs> before it got sucked into the black hole. Uh, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it it works really well. Yeah, I I say set Zathora free. Yes, I have to agree. I think there are some elements of it that don't fulfil its entire potential. I think Dax Shepard's performance is probably the weaker link and the fact that the emotional heft of the movie isn't quite there. But it's a really well-made film. Mm. And I think if I'd seen this film at the age of 10, it would have been my favourite movie. Same. So <laughs> it would have definitely it's, been my favourite movie. It's a sci-fi adventure movie made by one of the finest directors with an outstanding cast, in some cases, in their first roles. It's the type of film that the Oubliette was made mm. for because everyone's forgotten this movie and they really shouldn't yeah. have. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's unanimous among us, but what did our patrons have to say? Yes. Hello, Hal. Yes, Conrad. Could you give us the final verdict on Zathura? It's full of stars. Uh, Yes, I know that, yeah. But the patrons (laughs) vote, please. Our patrons have decided to set the film free. Ah, oh, yes. Ah, the patrons agree. with us. They do, yes. So Eddie Coulter says, Set it free! Zathura is a very fun, underrated film that deserves to be seen. Mm. Retro Blasting says, You said Zathura, but my brain heard Zardoz, and now I'm sad because I was looking forward to diaper suspender discussions. <laughs> Uh, that that will uh, maybe be a possibility in the future. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Surge of Cold Crash Pictures said, This film came out when I was 17, so I wasn't quite the target demographic, but I remember catching three quarters of it on TV one day, and I liked it a lot. Ah. Same screenwriter as Jurassic Park, for goodness sake. I say set it free. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. And finally, Isaac says, I was right in the target demo for this movie when it came out. A nine-year-old boy who loved sci-fi, dressed exactly like Josh Hutchison, (laughs) weird baggy gym shorts forever, and thought that Robin Williams' Jumanji was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, even if the tone can be a little cheesy and the pacing a little rushed, I think the whole of Zathura is worth recommending to people. Plus, the phrase, get me a juice box, bitch, will live in my head forever. Release it. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine a a bunch of uh, boys quoting that line a lot. On the playground, yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's unanimous across the board. All right, let's set it free. Let's set it free. Goodbye. Float away. (laughs) Yes. Well, Monica, thanks so much for bringing this to our attention again. Um, It's been great talking to you about this movie. Mm -hmm. Where can people hear more of your views on movies and follow you and such? Uh, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Just I've been meaning to pod or I've been meaning to any kind of variation of that. uh, You will find my podcast. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I would just suggest going on Instagram and TikTok because that is the thing that is active the most. 
I try to post on Twitter, but people and their movie opinions are just so wild on Twitter that I <laughs> avoid it sometimes. Sometimes I just can't do it. Sometimes I'm just like, new episode is out. Okay, I'm done. Peace. Like, yeah, y'all ain't gonna see yeah. me. I'll drop a clip if you want it, but like, that's about it. And if you would like to, you know, support, you know, feel free to find us at Patreon as well. But listening is just as great. I appreciate you guys having me on because this was a lot of fun. And I love the fact that I got to rewatch this because it really did spark joy in me. And sitting down talking to you guys was a lot of fun. This was just wonderful. So I've been meaning to watch that pod. Go ahead. Check it out. Wherever you find your podcast, I'm there. Mm-hmm. everyone should yeah, yeah. <laughs> and listeners if you want to follow us uh, we are movie oubliette everywhere on all our socials and also uh, you can email us at movie.oubliette at gmail.com and if you want to support the show head on over to patreon where for as little as a dollar you get extended portions of the show for five dollars you get to vote on the final verdict and get access to our exclusive monthly minisodes and for ten dollars you can be an executive producer with exclusive behind-the-scenes access. Yes. Like Chazilla, Eddie Coulter, Isaac Sutton, and Dr. Doggy. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, we also have merchandise at Redbubble and a YouTube channel uh, where we talk about uh, various things, video essays. We have some live panels as well from Iconicon with some very famous people. Bruce Broaden <laughs> was on one of the panels. Uh, we talked about Bruce Broaden in our last episode of uh, The Spice mm. Pirates. Uh, Spice Pirates. The Ice Pirates. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's Dune, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I've been reading Dune, so it's on my mind, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, Conrad, I guess we have to reveal what we're doing next episode. Well, we'll be returning to the 80s, but this time in the genre of horror comedy. Ah, uh, yes. With the 1986 American movie... Troll. Oh, great, great. Not Troll 2, though. No. (laughs) Not, oh my God. Not that movie. (laughs) Not that movie. No, the original movie, Ah. which was suggested by our guest co-host, who will be taking your place, Dan. Mm, Yes, I am going on holiday. For the first time ever, (laughs) because we started this podcast right before the pandemic, and none of us has been on holiday since. I haven't been on holiday for, yes, three or four years, so it's uh, it's about time I go to sunny Cairns. (laughs) Yes, okay. Northern Australia. Well, fortunately, we have somebody else who will be able to keep your seat warm. Not a replacement, just a stand-in. Yes, yes, yes. I'll be (laughs) back. (laughs) All right, thanks, listeners, for listening to another episode. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye for now. We review the films others tend to forget. Come with us and open up the movie, you'll be it. (laughs) 